0: Our scripture today is from Luke seventeen eleven through 19. As we turn to that, I wanted to mention, um, if I don't look familiar to you, I'm not in here a lot. I, um, my name's Amy. I'm uh, the evangelism pastor here. I'm typically at our Bonds Grove campus. Um, I'm typically at our Bonds campus at this time, and so I was sitting and and looking up at the screens and up at the slides, and I was like, oh, Elizabeth picked a pretty backdrop today. Elizabeth's our communications person who um, does our our words, um, our, our slides for the screens. So I was like, oh, Elizabeth picked a really pretty backdrop. I really like that. And then I realized that it was the stained glass that shines on that one. (laughs) <laughs> and y'all may have noticed this a million times, but I'm never in here at this time of day, so I've never noticed it. But I'm like, oh, that's such a great visual representation of the light of Christ literally shining on the words that we sing. Is that not cool? Yeah. Y'all probably have seen it a thousand times, and either you've noticed it, and you're like, yeah, we knew that. But, or you haven't noticed it, now you're going to look at it from now on. Anyway. So Luke 17, 11 through 19. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten men with skin diseases approached him. Keeping their distance from him, they raised their voices and said, Jesus, Master, show us mercy. When Jesus saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. As they left, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he had been healed, returned and praised God with a loud voice. He fell on his face at Jesus' feet and thanked him. He was a Samaritan. Jesus replied, Weren't ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? No one returned to praise God except this foreigner. Then Jesus said to him, Get up and go. Your faith has healed you. The word of God for the people of God. God. Let us pray. Dear God, Holy Spirit, fill me up that I may be a vessel of your words. May those words, your words, pour out on these, your people, so that they may hear what you have to say to them today. Fill them up so that your words then become their words and their words become your words, so that those who encounter them may hear what you have to say to them. Dear God, where my body, where my flesh gets in the way, may those words that pour out that are Of me and not of you, may those words fall upon deaf ears. Amen. So last week I was visiting a friend of mine. I was over at her house, and she has a five-year-old daughter. And um, I I was over there, and I I noticed, and um, I'm I'm not a mother, but I noticed that she was washing her child's hands a lot. And so in my head I'm thinking, well, that's a lot, but I'm not a mom, so I don't know how much is too much. I, I don't know how much um is a lot for a five-year-old's hands i guess i mean to me she doesn't look like she's touched anything but okay and so i I was a little confused by it and so finally she told me oh yeah i'm i'm um, washing her hands a lot if you've noticed because um norovirus went around her preschool and i'm like now you tell me (laughs) thank you very much and by the power of suggestion, I came in here Sunday last week and I leaned over to Terry and said, I don't think I'm feeling very good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine. If she shook my hand last week, I'm fine. I promise I'm fine. But, um, but there is something about that. And so she was telling me that when norovirus comes into a preschool, which it wasn't ours in case you are wondering, um, if, when norovirus comes into a preschool, they actually have to hire in a special cleaning crew to clean out everything. Uh, it's not just the, um, the regular cleaning protocols, but you have to have a specialist in these different cleaning protocols to clean it out because it can spread really quickly. And um, in fact, half of her class got sick before they even knew that anyone was infected. And even if your fear is not of norovirus, this is the time of year where we're starting to get a little prepped for sickness, right? We're trying to get prepped so that we don't get sick. Um, We get flu shots, we get our antibacterial stuff that we sit in our pockets or in our pocketbooks and make sure that we're ready, and and all of a sudden we're washing our hands a little more than normal, and and we wonder what's on door handles, and we wonder what's, because we're afraid of getting sick. If you get sick, if we get sick, it, it kind of puts us out for a few days, right? And let me tell you, if you get sick as a pastor on a Saturday night, good luck to you. so so God and I have special prayers on Saturday night when I get a cough. (laughs) And me and Zyrtec have some fun and, you know, whatever I need to take to knock it out. But if you get sick on Saturday night, it's all done. We don't like being sick. We don't want to be sick. We don't want to spread and and, uh, contaminate others and, and get things. And we don't want to be knocked out. And so we avoid being sick at all costs and so we can understand we can understand what it would have been like to try and avoid a leper in these days we can understand a little bit how they were concerned about what these lepers may have had now we don't know a lot about leprosy and um, science wasn't great as advanced back then. I don't know if you knew that, but science wasn't as advanced back then, and so we don't have a lot of information, but what they tell us is, is skin disease. What some scholars say is that lepor- leprosy or skin diseases could be a skin disease of any type. It could be any condition of the skin. It could just be a little bout of eczema. could be a little dry skin, or it could be a full-blown contagious skin disease. We don't really know, but what we know is that the people were so afraid of con- contaminating or, or contracting it, that they banished the lepers out into their own community. And so what happened was actually the lepers became this, this little microcosm, this new community that was out and banished. But some good came out of it. You see, what in these times, the Gentiles and the Jews, they couldn't be in community together. They weren't supposed to socialize together. They weren't supposed to be in the same space together except in the case of leprosy. In, in communities of lepers, all of a sudden, Jews and Gentiles could be together. It didn't matter where you were from. It didn't matter uh, what race you were, what nationality you were. Everyone was all together, and it was the beauty of this was all of a sudden, the community of lepers started to look a little more like the kingdom of God, There is something about being in a community where you're all facing the same thing that brings you together. Where you're all facing some sort of trial that all of a sudden brings you a little closer together. Several years ago, I went to Kenya, and there were 14 of us who went to Kenya, and part of our trip to Kenya included getting shots. Now, let me tell you something I do not like needles. And when I say that I don't like needles, I mean I really don't like needles. I mean you could probably cut my finger off, and I would whine less than you sticking a needle in my arm, and I may not be exaggerating. That may not be hyper- hyperbole. But so we, um, they, they explained to us that there's a deal. It, it, we went to jars, and um, if you go down there, and you get, you, you get a bulk discount for this shot, basically. If you all get it done at the same time, and they just line you up, they line you up and give you shot after shot after shot and after shot. And let me tell you, that's scary. Um, but they, gave, they lined us up and, and gave us all these shots. Well, my friend, brilliant man that he is, and we are still friends, and I'm not entirely sure why after I tell you this story, but my friend thought, he, he, you know, he and I were very close, and so he knew how much I, I'm afraid of shots. He thought that it would be really funny if when... The nurse stuck his arm. He yelled. And so my gut reaction, I am holding my nurse's hand. I'm holding my nurse's hand. He yells, I jump, and my first instinct is to pull her hand into my mouth and bite her. (laughs) Y'all. All of a sudden, it wasn't just that our people, our Kenya trip was all in it together. That nurse was all of a sudden in it with us. You know, she, we were all in it together. There's something about bonding over these kinds of situations that just brings you together. Or like the story that I saw on the news where when all the hurricanes were happening recently and um, Hurricane Irma came and, and they were evacuating everyone out. And so there was this woman who was part of, was organizing one of these spaces that people could come to, uh, to stay for a little bit. And she was on the news, and they were asking her all of these questions, you know, what do, you need, what do people need to know about the place that they're staying and all that kind of thing? And she said, well, listen, I want to make something very clear. We don't have the best conditions. We don't have cots for people. We don't have beds for people. You're going to be sleeping on a floor. And so I need for you to know that these conditions aren't great. If you have a problem sleeping on the floor, if you, if you have a physical problem sleeping on the floor, if that's something that you can't do, then this is not going to be the place for you. And I just need to make that clear to you right now, that this is not going to be the place for you. She said, but there's something about sleeping in a hallway with people who have no beds, who have nothing, and who are going through the same thing, that we all of a sudden are family here. We're in it together, and so when when Jesus encounters this group of people, he encounters this group of of lepers, and um, he he calls out and even says that one is a foreigner, so one isn't like the other nine. But there are ten lepers, and he comes and he encounters them, and he reaches into this community. You see, Jesus had no fear of being with the unclean. He had no fear of of reaching out and touching them. We hear another story of of Jesus healing the leper in Luke 5, 12 through 15. Jesus was in one of the towns where there was also a man covered with a skin disease. When he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged, "'Lord, if you want, you can make me clean.'" Jesus reached out his hand, touched him, and said, "'I do want to be clean.'" Instantly, the skin disease left him. Jesus ordered him not to tell anyone. Instead, Jesus said, go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses instructed. This will be a testimony to them. News of him spread even more, and huge crowds gathered to listen and be healed from their illnesses. Now, this story is one that is an amazing story of Jesus. It's an amazing story of how he heals, how he goes out, and he has this power. And, and through, through Jesus, this man was healed. And it's a great story, and I, I want you to really understand that. But the theme that I want you to see of this story is that Jesus reaches out and touches him. Jesus wasn't afraid to go into communities and, and be uncomfortable. Jesus wasn't afraid to bridge that gap and go out. Jesus actually touched him. And I, I don't know about you, but I probably would be having some gloves on, a face mask, maybe a hazmat suit before I touch someone because I don't want to get sick. I don't want to get what they, are, what they have. I don't want to have to be ostracized, ostracized too. But Jesus wasn't afraid. Jesus had no fear. Jesus still touched the man no matter what the circumstance, no matter what the consequence was going to be for him, he touched him because Jesus is all in. Jesus goes to uncomfortable places, and if we're being honest with ourselves, don't we not really love being in uncomfortable places, even if it is a place where we can see the kingdom of God? How many of you go to your prayer time, and you pray, and you say, God, if it is your will, but please, please don't make it uncomfortable. God, if it is your will, then please, but please don't make me do something that I don't want to do. God, I understand that this may be your will. Your will be done, but please, please don't make it uncomfortable. But I'll tell you, if you do go to prayer like that, you're in good company. Because Jesus said the same thing on the cross. God, if there is any other way, I really, really don't want to have to go through this. God, if there is any other way, then please make it be so. But if not, I'm willing to go where you're sending me. I'm willing to do what you ask of me. I'm willing to be all in. Jesus does whatever Jesus needs to do to bridge the divide if it brings glory to God. What does it mean to bring glory to God? What does it mean to be in awe of what God has done for us? There's another story of a man, Naaman, and he's a little hesitant as well. He's, he's wondering a little bit about this God character. But God heals him of his skin disease. God cleanses him of his skin disease. And God, or 2 Kings uh, 5.15 says this. Look at how Naaman reacts. He returned to the man of God with all his attendants. He came and stood before Elisha saying, Now I know for certain that there's no God anywhere on earth except in Israel. Please accept a gift from your servant. The first thing Naaman does is glorifies God. I am in awe of you, God, for what you have done for me, Naaman says. When we see how great God is, when we can touch how great God is, we can't help but be in awe of who he is. There are three stories of healing of lepers that we've talked about today. This story, the one in Luke, the the passage that I read first, there are ten lepers. Ten lepers that are beggars on the side of the road. Ten lepers who have been ostracized. Ten lepers who have nothing else but to beg and to hope. And all ten of them were healed. Only one comes back only one comes back, and he comes back, and he's in awe, and he falls to his knees, and he glorifies God, and what does Jesus say? Weren't there ten? Why is it this man is the only one who sees the power of God? So often we we try, and we try and see who God is. We try and glorify God. We try and praise God, but sometimes it starts to feel a little bit like going through the motions. When we can't see what God has done for us, when we can't see who God is through times of trial or through times of praise, sometimes we just feel like we're going through the motions. But we don't praise God out of obligation. We praise God out of adoration. Because God is awesome. God is amazing. God has done so much for us. All we have to do is look around and see it. There's a man, Shane Claiborne, who is an author. He founded what's called the Modern Monastic Movement, and he's written a few books about this this very intentional community that he leads that is is a mix of a, a lot of different types of people and a lot of different people who have come together in this community and and really has has bonded together in community, but one of his quotes from many years ago is is this quote, Only God is awesome. And what Shane's point is, is that, and and this was a time where people were kind of throwing around this word awesome, and and probably we still do today, but people were kind of throwing around this word awesome as if it was, um, as if it went for anything. That football game yesterday was awesome. That steak I had last night was awesome. That um, car right here was awesome. And, and, and people were just kind of throwing around this word. And so Shane kind of calls people out and says, no, only God is awesome. Only God is worthy of awe. And I, I, I think that that's true to a certain extent. I think that God is the only thing worthy of our awe that is worthy of our honor. But I think I would push back a little bit on Shane And say that all things have God in them. And so all things can be awesome if we can look for God in them. That all things are worthy of our awe when they are created by God. And when we can see God in them. Do we see how God is at work in all things that are around us? Or just a few things? Just the things where we are concentrating and focusing on who God is. I think a lot of times our schedules. What happens with our schedules is that we schedule our God time in, and I, I don't think that this is a bad thing. I don't, I don't want to dissuade people from from scheduling in their God time because I think that that is important. But when we when we spend time in devotional in the morning, or when we spend time in worship on Sunday, when we spend time in Bible study on Wednesday night, do we keep God in that box in that time period? in that, that space that we have allotted, that, that time budget that we have allotted, allotted for God? Or do we use that as a way that we can see the glory of God past that time? Do we use all of our minutes to glorify God? Or are we just trying to glorify God in minutes? Are we, are we looking for the ways that God is in all that we have and all that we are? Are we boxing God into just a few moments of our week, a few spare moments of our time? This week on Thursday, we're going to spend this time in, in gratefulness, in gratitude. Dr. House has talked about how this is his favorite holiday because we get to spend this time in thankfulness and in gratitude, and, and we do get this time period And I love that we get this time period where a lot of us get off from work or we have family that comes in that isn't normally here or or maybe we get time away from school or whatever it may be, but we kind of have this permission to put everything on hold and really focus on what we're grateful for for this small period of time. But my challenge to us is to not leave it there. Our temptation will be to to be grateful, to sit down at the table, and to say everything that we're grateful for. But that's just minutes out of a year. And so what will it look like if we use that time, if we spend that time in gratitude, learning about who God is and learning about ways that we can be thankful so that we can then move on and move forth and glorify God in all the minutes past that? We have options. We can be like Naaman, where we can be a little hesitant at first, but then see all that God has done. We can be like the one leper who, who ran back immediately and saw and glorified God. Or we can be like the nine, and we can miss the point. We can be healed. We can be um, touched by Jesus and still go on with our days. We have those choices in our life. And so my prayer for us is that we do spend this time on Thursday really focusing, really pouring into ourselves so that we can carry that past into the minutes, into the hours, into the days to come. Let's pray. Dear God, I am so grateful for all that you have done, not just for me, but in creating what you have created for who you have created for this community that you have created. Help us focus back on you. Help us to see you. Help us to use those minutes that we do use, that we do concentrate on you, so that we can then move move forth and see who you are and glorify you in all the minutes past that. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.